Chaf, Adar Aleph, Tafshin, Ayin Tet, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Great Ariel Zilber, La'an Panta Ahavatenu, opens things up on this week's edition of the Israel Show. Welcome in, one and all, to uh, our excursion into Israel, <laughs> as far away as we are. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Here we are here each and every Monday, immediately following JM and DAM, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Israel Time, and around the world, wherever you are, whatever time it is, that's the time we are on. Write it down, make a note, so you don't forget. Of course, if you do forget, or you miss, or you can't listen for whatever reason, like you might be busy at 9 o'clock in the morning on 9 a.m. on Monday, uh, 9 o'clock in the morning on Monday, then um, that's why we have... That's why we have archives, and you can listen on demand whenever you want via NachumSiegel.com or the great, wonderful, or as Nachum says, beloved Nachum Siegel Network app, available for free, Android, iPhone, whichever store you like, NSN, Nachum Siegel Network app. 
It's all there. Our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show, where we post every week after the show. At some point during the day, we will post links to the songs that we played. Great music, and you can listen to it whenever you want by uh, clicking on the links that are on the post. And uh, if there's a special item that we spoke about, we will link you to that as well, an article or some clip or whatever. We try to link you to that as well. Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Give us, uh, take a look, have a listen to the show, and then give us a like if you like. Tell your friends, tell everybody. Uh, we do have some uh, new music. We're going to get to that later from uh, from Hanan Ben-Ari, uh, uh, one of the uh, really big stars now. In, uh, in the Israeli music scene. Yet another Kipasruga, which is uh, just a beautiful thing. Like Ishai Ribo and so many others, and um, can't say enough about them. Of course, others that I want to mention now, just their names just escape me like nothing. Just fly out of my brain. Okay, sorry about that. I apologize for all those who I wanted to mention and whose names flew out of my brain. Uh, relatively new, we debuted it. We're playing it again because it's so good. Shlomo Artsy with Ratzinu Rock last year. Then we will bring to you the calamity that is happening on Har Habayit these days. We'll talk about the elections and lots more. Stay tuned. To the Israel Show, my name is Mayor Weingarten, and you are at the Nachum Siegel Network. פוליטיקאים מושחתים תמיד מתחלפים רק חברים אמיתיים לנצח לא התחלפו הייתי כבר רעב לשיר רעב לשיר שרתי עם כל החברים שלי על גג מוזר מול הנהר השאלה הייתה מי יהיה פה כדי לאסוף את השברים מי יתחתן עם מי ומי יהיה זמר כל העולם מלא בצער ואלוהים הכל מראש נקבע אני חושב שכבר הבנתי את זה קצת ליד מרכז הספורט אמרה לי בוא נלך פה אני קצת רבע רציתי רק לשיטה לשיטה רצינו רק לשיר רצינו שמים גדולים, חוזר מהצבא, ישן שעות, תעשה לאט חולון. תיקח קפה איתי, אני כשקמתי קפוא מתגרם. אין 
That's a new selection of his. We have some more new music coming up here on the Israel Show. Thank you so much for tuning in, making us a part of your week. We are, uh, my name is Mayor Weingarten. We're on the Nachum Siegel Network, as we are each and every Monday. Those of you who have been following along <laughs> for, for the past 52 years, um... One of the um, very important issues that we face in uh, in our time, in our times of the Geulah, of redemption, is our attitude toward Har Habayit, the Temple Mount, the holiest, some will argue really the only really holy, intrinsically holy place of the Jewish religion which in the uh, in the Six Day War 1967 Chavchet Iyar came under Jewish sovereignty for the first time in almost 2,000 years but since then as we have discussed many times we have allowed, we, the Jewish people, the government of Israel, representative of the Jewish people, have allowed Har Habayit to slowly slip away through our fingers, right away by the decree of Moshe Dayan, who at the time was considered a Jewish hero because of the victory of the Six-Day War, and he was the defense minister, Moshe Dayan, who gave over the daily operations of the Har Habayit to the Muslims. At the time, we could have set up a shul, we could have done anything we wanted. We could have built a Bet HaMikdash, had we had the will. Um, 
and uh, set up a status quo which included Jews being able to visit but not to daven on Harabayit. This has become one of the crazier things in in our history that a Jew can pray almost anywhere in the world at this point. But at his most sacred site, he cannot. And it is by the edict of the Jewish rulers, not by the uh, non-Jews, who for 1,800 years usually kept us away from there. There is a... There are Sha'arim in Har Habayit. If you pick up a Mishnah, Masechet Midot, we are given the information about what Har Habayit towards the end of the Bayit Cheney looked like. This is after it was expanded by King Herod around the year zero. And um, a whole bunch of Sha'arim are mentioned there. But one sha'ar that we have today and that we often look to because it's different is not mentioned in the Mishnah at all or anywhere else for that matter. And that's because it's relatively new. And that is what some call the Golden Gate, the Sha'ar HaRachamim. If you're looking at Har Habayit, the classic panoramic view from Mount Scopus or from the Mount of Olives, you will see a structure which has two arches, a gateway, but the gateway is closed. It is, um, it's uh, sealed up, obviously uh, sealed in such a way that, th- that it was meant to be sealed up. It's not like little stones and so forth. And the legend or the lore or whatever you want to call it that we have or many of us, I should say, have grown up with, is that when the Muslim rulers heard about the Jews yearning for the coming of the Messiah and the precursor of Eliyahu Hanavi, and they thought that Eliyahu Hanavi would come walking through that gate, they closed it up and put a cemetery in front of it, and there is an Arab cemetery in front of it, in order to block the way of Elio Hanavi. Because they understood that Elio Hanavi was a Kohen. Maybe. I don't know that he was. Was he? And Mashiach is Ben David, surely not a Kohen. But whatever. But it's, it's really a legend, just we should all be aware of the reality and the, the the most probable reason is that when the Christians came to the area and um, captured it from the Muslims back in the days of the Crusades whatever year or thousand or whatever approximate date that the Christians marched through that gate into the Har Habayit, into the Temple Mount, which was at that point in Islamic hands, holding the cross and marched through that gate. And so since that time, once the Muslims defeated the Christians and threw them out, they closed up that gate because they did not want there to be any 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 remembrance, any zecher, if you will, 
of uh, of that moment in time when the Christians marched through the gate. But it, it you know, legends are legends. You know, they become part of who we are, I guess. But the Shire itself does not, as I mentioned, doesn't appear anywhere else. So therefore, we know that it's a much later, um, a, m- a much later uh, addition. What many people aren't aware of is that the structure with these two arches, gateway, that are blocked, there is there is a structure behind it. There are actually rooms, a few large rooms, domed uh, with pillars and so forth, that are on the other side of the what we know as Shah HaRachamim, those two sealed uh, gates. And the Muslims, realizing over the decades that we don't care that much about Har Habayit, surely not, surely not as much as they do, have slowly, slowly encroached on pieces of Har Habayit. They've built a mosque in an area that was known as Solomon's Stables. It has nothing to do with Stables or Solomon. It doesn't matter, but it's an area on the southeast corner underneath um, Har Habayit. They took it over. The Israeli government looked the other way. They literally destroyed everything that was there, including centuries of archaeological excavations that could have been done there. When we go to the Sifting Project, if you've been there, part of Ir David now, to sift through the dirt that was taken out from Harabayit, that's the dirt. When they dug out that whole area, and they made a mosque, and it's, I believe, the second largest mosque in the Middle East is there. So they went, and that's their plan, to slowly take over all of Harabayit by declaring each section a mosque. They got a lot of patience. So now, they've come to Shahar Hamim area. This is, this is an old plan. This goes back a few decades. They declared it a mosque, but the Israeli government, at the time at least, was smart enough to say, no, we won't allow it, and it was under the rule of the Hamas and so forth, and they sealed the entrance from the inside, to that to the to the structure where the rooms are when looking from the outside those rooms that are behind Shahar Hamim. And the Muslims realize that it's election time and the Prime Minister has his own troubles and doesn't want to get into more trouble. And they showed him and the Likud and the right wing of Israel for what they are weak, feeble, impotent cowards and they showed us for what we are not willing to stand up for our holy sites so they could snap a finger and bring a hundred thousand people to Har Habayit yelling and shouting and screaming and threatening and we're lucky if we get a few thousand in a month as we should They've done everything because they have learned our weaknesses and they 
push every one of our buttons and in the bigger picture if we pull back as great as Israel is doing in certain areas we are totally losing and one of them is on Har Habayit the other is for for example on in the territory people keep saying you know it's not about land it's about people it's about people but people have to live on land the Bedouins in the Negev have taken over miles and miles and miles of ground illegally and the government is impotent the Palestinian Authority has taken over miles and miles of area one that we know as Hamar al-Ahmar Khan al-Ahmar I think Um, and was about to throw out the illegal squatters who were there and backed out at the last minute and nobody seems to care we just move on so the Arabs see this they know this and they say well if the Jews are going to let us do it we'll do it and that is a danger to the continuation of the Jewish sovereignty in the land of Israel and we have to be aware of it those of us outside living outside of Israel can't do much but those inside of Israel need to be very aware and see what they can do in order to stem this the tide of these terrible things you know if one day in the future we find that Har Habayit is no longer Biyadenu, we'll look back to days like this and we'll only have ourselves to blame. I'm 
Uri Davidi, with a positive message about the Gulag, Ube Orisha Zareach. I do want to mention, just on, we usually try to leave the positive for the end, I don't know, just want to throw it out here. If you haven't heard about this, then do yourself a favor, and if you have uh, access to uh, to the internet, take a look at um, Space IL. This is a project of absolute brilliant genius that was conceived by several Israelis as part of a contest. I believe it started with Google, actually, that put up a contest of who can create um, a small landing craft that would land on the moon, unmanned, of course, and who could do it first, and uh, I think also cheapest. And um, even though uh, Google, I believe, withdrew already from this long time ago, and nobody continued with it, Israel just stuck to it. There were a few really uh, amazing people who stuck with it. And this past week, uh, SpaceX, which is a private company that is uh, hoping to... (laughs) provide services for countries that want to launch satellites and such into into space SpaceX had a um, had a, a rocket leaving earth you know everybody got a boarding card boarding pass uh, there were two other payloads Israel's little uh, moon lander was was uh, was almost like side C <laughs> Of, of the record, um, but nonetheless, it went up, took off from uh, Cape Kennedy in Florida, Cape Canaveral, and uh, separated from the SpaceX and is now orbiting the Earth. It, it, it's a fascinating and brilliant story. There's a great video which we will, God willing, post, which shows how it uses gravity and other rules of physics to be able to get to the moon on very little fuel. And that's why it's so small and doesn't need a lot of, um, doesn't need to ride on, to get to get where it has to go. It doesn't need to ride on a, a huge uh, rocket ship like uh, the other ones do. Uh, a lot can go wrong. But the hope is that on, I believe it's April the 11th, 
Yeah, two days after the elections in Israel, the hope is that um, this uh, moon lander, which is called, by the way, Bereshit in Hebrew, that's the word that is used, Bereshit, so beautiful. It was so beautiful. The takeoff was amazing. Uh, it, it was so moving. You know how many other countries have some, have either gone, sent the man to the moon, or have some, uh, some equipment on the moon? There's only three other countries, United States, Russia, and China. And then, hopefully, Israel. Wow. It's it's exciting. It's moving. Don't know how we can not be excited about that. Okay, coming up, we'll do our little election update. And um, we'll tell you where we feel things are going. No predictions. We're not predicting. But we'll analyze for you what's happening. And... Um, give you a picture, and uh, we'll speak about some other things, time permitting. This is Eretz Tovah by Eti Levy, a beautiful song about the beautiful land, and we have so much to be proud of. With all the difficulties, we have so much to be proud of and so much to be happy about, and we should celebrate those things. זו הארץ נולדתי בה עם הטוב, עם הרע שבה עם תורה, שלום ואש זה מה שיש זה מה שיש ארץ קודש, זוות חלב והדבש במענות של קרב שהשקט בגועש זה מה שיש Thank 
Etty Levy with Eretz Tova. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much for tuning in, making us part of your week. Listener Moshe is without a question the um, most prolific of our commenters on the uh, app. And always has great things to say. He just he he wrote in that um, taking all the uh, the two stories that we spoke about until now today. That uh, you know when when a country comes to a um, uncharted area, they claim that place for for the sovereignty of the country. Like you know he writes here six hundred years ago, landing in the new world, the uh, explorer would claim the territory for uh, for his uh, country. So instead of Israel sending the satellite to the moon, they should send it to Harabayit and claim sovereignty there. Yeah, very good. Uh, yeah, yeah. But they uh, actually is a flag of Israel. There's a a CD with uh, all the um, text of the Tanakh in it. You have to understand that weight is an issue. So couldn't send an actual Tanakh. Not that I think we would want that to happen anyway. So last Thursday, as we spoke about uh, on last week's show, Thursday was the deadline, the 21st of February was the deadline um, during which all the political parties in Israel had to present their final list to the Knesset. We've spoken many times about the election system in Israel where you do not vote for a person, you vote for a party, meaning for a slate of people. And then all the votes are tallied, divided by 120, which is the number of uh, seats in the Knesset. And each party, depending on the percentage of the total vote they get, that's how many seats in the Knesset they will get. And then there's all kinds of other issues like what happens to the remainder after the division and so forth. The key, though, in last election and this election is that there is a threshold. In order to stop, to discourage, let's say, a lot of little parties from running for the Knesset and having a party of one person, a party of two people, and then in order to put together a coalition, you have to negotiate with all these little tiny splinters. Two years, uh, two elections ago, but... Uh, Avigdor Lieberman actually was the one who pushed for it, passed a law that you have to reach a threshold. There was always a threshold, but they raised it, and the threshold was such that if you don't get enough votes for four seats, threshold is three point something percent, if you don't get enough votes that you would get four seats in the Knesset, three percent plus of the vote, then all your votes don't count. You can't go and there can't be a party of less than four seats in the Knesset. Anyone who voted for a party that didn't hit the threshold, their vote is meaningless. It just gets thrown out. 
That's the way it works. So as a result, every side, there are two, basically two sides to this, uh, to this election. There's the Likud, headed by Prime Minister Netanyahu. In the meantime, we'll see what happens in the next few weeks as far as his getting indicted or not and so forth. And the other side, we now know, this is new since last week, the other side is going to be led by a party that is actually an amalgam of parties. They call themselves center, I, I, center left. The, the, the Likud will call them left. I, I, I think that it's hard to define what they are because they don't know, I think, yet what they are. It's an amalgam of parties of Yesh Atid, which is Yair Lapid. That was his party. He joined with Bogi Alon, who used to be in the Likud, who is a right-wing um, former chief of staff and who has on the list, on this combined list, three other people, all of whom are center-right, without a doubt. And um, the leader of the list is Benny Gantz. He is new to Israeli politics. He is now the flavor of the month which Israelis love because it's like, oh, we can't have the same again. We need a new face. We need new blood. We need change, change, change. And as Americans remember, when they voted for change, it's not so clear that the change that they got was good change. Sometimes you change and it's worse. Well, Israelis love to vote for change. So the flavor of the month in last election, for example, was Moshe Kahlon, and now it's not even clear that he will make the the threshold. Anyway... Um, so you have now Yalon, his group, Benny Gantz, his group, Yair Lapid, his group, and they were now joined, once they all came, came together, they were joined by um, Ashkenazi, who also was the chief of staff. So you have in, in, on that list three former chiefs of staff, or as they like to call them on the right, the generalim, the generals. Because it doesn't sound as good when you call them generals. It sounds like some sort of a, a, a putsch or something, right? Um, so when Prime Minister Netanyahu says things like, um, you want to feel safe, you know that I am the one who can bring you security, and I've kept you safe over all these years, the other side can now say, well, there's three former chiefs of staff of the army... If, and you appointed two of them. If we can't keep, if if we can't feel safe with Gabi Ashkenazi and Moshe Yalon and and uh, Benny Gantz, then who can we feel safe with? That will be their winning card. Um, but the the election now is who will put together a coalition of sixty one, and therefore be the governing group in Israel? Will it be the Likud and those who see themselves on the right side of the political spectrum who want uh, more or less to continue the status quo to possibly annex parts of Yehudan Shamron, or Gans, Lapid, Yalon, and so forth on the left side who would be a lot more agreeable to what was once called the two-state solution, which many people in Israel have tired from. 
the strategy of the the left part, the center left, is not to say a lot. And whatever you say should be very well choreographed. So every time that Gan speaks, it's really very controlled. They are afraid to allow him to freely speak. I wonder what would happen if Netanyahu challenges him to a debate. It's not clear if there'll be one, but I think he will be at a disadvantage. Okay, so now what happens? The natural there are natural allies. Each side has natural allies. Smaller parties that people want to vote for because they don't want to vote for the big party because they have specific interests maybe. But they know that the party they're voting for is either going to go left or it's going to go right. So on the right side you have Naftali Benin and Ayala Chaked. They call themselves the new right, Yamina Khadash. They announced already now we will go with Prime Minister Netanyahu after the elections to form a coalition and we will keep him on our side. We won't let him veer off to the left. That's why you should vote for us. The Bait Yehudi that has now joined with Otsma Yehudit, Otsma Yisrael, the party of the followers of Rav Meir Kahanazal, Shem Yikom Damo. Um, they have joined about UD. That's a story in and of itself that we're not going to discuss today. <laughs> Maybe next week. Um, they're what used to be the National Religious Party, but they were joined. They were pushed by Netanyahu to be joined by a small splinter group. Um, that now many people are going to leave the Bait UD probably because of that. Whatever. And uh, and Shas and Aguda, all these would join a coalition with Netanyahu. On the other side, you have the Labor Party and Meretz, who would join a coalition with the left. What's the problem? The problem is that when you have a 4% threshold, or 3 point something percent threshold, and you have on the right a whole bunch of parties that did not join together now, and they cannot any longer join together. And they're running alone, each one with a ba- somewhat of a base of support, but probably not enough to hit the target of the threshold. If they run, and they are, Israel could literally go to the left only because of the votes that are going to be lost by these parties. And who are they? You have Moshe Feiglin. You have Eli Yishai. You have Orly Levi Abu Kassis. You have Oren Chazan. You have Moshe Kachalon. Each one of them will tell you, we have in-depth polls that we have done that show that we're way above the threshold. The problem is, you can't rely on any of that. And you're risking the future leadership of the State of Israel. You're risking bringing down the right wing and bringing to power, who knows, but clearly a more left-wing group of, of parties. How do you take that upon yourself? How do you take responsibility for that? What kind of ego do you need to be willing to risk? 
And by the way, that was true for the Otzma Yehudit people until they joined with uh, the Bay Yehudi. Based on the pressure from the Prime Minister on both of them, they would have also run and lost votes. And in the last election, Eli Yishai ran and almost made it, and all those votes worth at least three seats in the Knesset, religious Zionist votes went down the drain and could happen again. And both sides are to blame. For example, in the Eli Yishai case, he wanted to join with Shas, and Aryeh Derry hates him so much, and he has, I don't know who has the bigger ego, that they that Elish, um, that uh, Aryeh Derry didn't allow Elishai and his and his group to join. Orly Levi Abu Kassis, she thought she was so great that she could leave Moshe Kahlon's party and start her own party, and for a while the polls were showing that she was the new flavor of the month, and now, eh. We don't know if she's going to make it. Oren Chazan is just a general idiot, in my opinion. Got into the last Knesset as a fluke. Knows how to manipulate the media. He's he's the guy who did the selfie with uh, President uh, Trump. I would say many people would consider him a buffoon. So he didn't get elected because the Likud was smart enough not to put him not to nominate him in the primaries for a seat in the next Knesset, so he just decided he's going to run on his own. Just shows you what a fool he is. And Moshe Kachlon is now in a position where he, the previous flavor of the month, who had 10 seats in the last election, is not clear if he'll get through the through the threshold of the uh, three-point-something percent. You don't have this on the left. On the left, you have a few solid parties, and they're counting on the fact that the Arab parties, the two Arab parties, will have a combination of about 13 seats, and that the Arab parties will not, obviously, support a right-wing coalition. And even though the leader of the left would never bring them into the coalition, they will make a backroom deal to create a block of votes in which the Arab Knesset members would not vote against them. And based on that, they could have a coalition. So it could very well be... We've been here before, by the way. When Ehud Barak was elected, we've been here before. And, And Prime Minister Rabin when the Oslo process was taking place, was in the same exact position. It was the same situation. And again, we have ourselves to blame, really. Because there's no one, I guess, strong enough on the right to sit these people down and say to them, you are endangering Israel, Faglin, Yishai, Levi Abu Kassis, Chazan, Kahlon, join. Only Levi Abu Kassis, join with Moshe Kahlon. Oh, no, no, they're too angry at each other. Oren Chazan, get out of the way. Eli Yishai, join with somebody. Well, now it's, of course, all too late. We will see what will happen. I'm not making any predictions. I'm just saying that these people have to be 
they have to be held responsible in the future for what they're doing, for their recklessness. Unfortunately, Eli Yishai, who did this in last election, and, and so many votes got lost as a result, wasn't held accountable. And he has enough support that he's going to do it again. It's the the appetite, the yetzer, the taiva, whatever you want to call it, for power. And every one of them will tell you the same story. We have polls. We have internal polls. We've done polls, depth, in-depth polls, really good polls. You'll see. It doesn't work that way, folks. Sometimes there's an outlier out there that makes it in. But history has shown it doesn't work people I asked somebody once about this and they said people that are running for office are so first of all they're in a bubble where they see themselves they don't see what's going on on the outside they're surrounded by people that adore them they go from place to place and they have little rallies in which they see people cheering and supporting them, and they say, wow, look how many people came to cheer and support me. It must have a lot of support out there. And so it just feeds on itself until they have convinced themselves, they're totally convinced that they're going to make it. And then when they come in who knows what place or no no place, they're shocked. Oh, no, what happened? I want to get in this song because I wanted to get it in last week and we'll get it in this week. Aluf HaOlam is a brand new song by Hanan Ben-Ari. It's an interesting song. A lot of his songs are very introspective. This is yet another one. He he talks about himself as being the, the world champion in repression, the world champion in not doing things, the world champion in getting uh, close to people, all, all his faults. And, and he hopes to God that all his efforts to undo these negative traits will, uh, will bring him to, uh, to be a better person. Very, very interesting and very open uh, song. Yet another one by Hanan Benari. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. אני אלוף העולם בלא להיות, בלא לפתור לך את הבעיות. אפילו התמונות שבקירות, זה לא אני תליתי, אני אחראי רק על המנגינות. אני אלוף העולם, בלי פה ולקום, 
ותאוות היצר הוא מכר ותיק, מכיר כל טריק עתיק שהוא מחזיק בתיק. אבל תראי, יום אחד אהיה צדיק. עמוק בפנים כל מה שיש לי לא מספיק. בעליל אני עכבר קטן והחיים חליל. נופל הבור כי לא מצליח להבדיל. בין טוב לרע ולאן כל זה מוביל. את משדרת עסקים כרגיל. אבל תכף ייגמר לנו הפתיל, אני אלוף העולם בליבון ולקום כמו גדול, אל תראי כמו חול, אני נשרף אבל בוחר בכל יום להמשיך לחיות, אני אלוף העולם בלרצות לפחות לפצות, להתנצל ולרצות, לחטוא, להתנקות, לחשוף, להתכסות. תגידי איך כותבים שירים עם אלף ציפיות, מיליוני צפיות. אני אלוף העולם, בליפול ולקום, כמו גדול, אל תראי. Great stuff, brand new, Hanan Ben-Ari, Aluf HaOlam. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We're going to close out with another new track. This one's called Kimat Higanu. It's by a Nat Hollander off of a children's album that she just released called Midan Ve'ad Einat, play on words of Midan Ve'ad Einat. Before we close off with that, we say thank you, as we do each and every week. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network, and a very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, immediately following us, is Yoni Pollack with After Further Review, covering the latest in the world of sports, and then Novik Now with Jake Novik, who's going to bring you a lot of information about that Israeli space mission that we uh, briefly touched upon. He was there at the takeoff. You've got to listen to his show. It's uh, going to be amazing stuff. So uh, tune in for the next uh, great programming here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And following that, a lot of wonderful Jewish music, the great Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following Jamie the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race.